Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone, want to hop on real quick before we head to today's episode and let you all know that the next Master Your Fasting Challenge is upon us. Yes, that is right. It is coming up on September 13th through the 19th. And the last Master Your Fasting Challenge we did in July, man, what an absolutely incredible time. The results were amazing. Tons of testimonials, positive feedback. So we decided that we're going to run this back a couple more times before, dare I say, the end of 2023 is upon us. So we know that summer is over, that we are back to school. And I don't know about you, but I've started to see some holiday decorations and fall and the holidays are soon to be upon us. So let's start the last quarter of this year and end summer with a bang. If you're new to fasting or want to get back on track, if you're struggling to break through a plateau, if you're ready to finally stop obsessing about your diet and your weight loss and get off that roller coaster once and for all, let's end the summer with some intention, some habit building, and fast track your fasting results as we head into the fall and the upcoming holiday season. So what we want you to do to get more information about the Master Your Fasting Challenge that's coming up on September 13th, head to the show notes, click the link for dates, more information, frequently asked questions. It's all there for you. And we really, really, really want to end this summer with some intention around our fasting lifestyle. So We'll see you on the inside. Click the link for more information. And now to today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Water, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. Excited for today's episode. We're going to hop into the conversation of does blood sugar matter if you don't have diabetes? And we're going to unpack that. We're going to have some fun along the way. And as we promised, give you one or two actionable things that you can take away from today's episode and put into your day-to-day life starting now to start adopting a fasting for life lifestyle. Tommy, I want to give a shout out to the new listeners. If you are new, we want to welcome you in. Thanks for giving us a shot. Thanks for listening in. And thanks for adding us to hopefully a long-term partnership in your fasting journey. Tommy and I have been doing this for a while now, up over 190 episodes. So thank you again to all of the long-term listeners as well. Those downloads, those subscribes, those rates, those reviews. That continues to tell the podcast world and the podcast gods and goddesses that we are bringing value each and every week, going on three years strong without missing a single week. So just... Grateful for each and every one of you. Grateful for those five-star reviews as they are our favorite kind. I love them. Right? They're our favorite. We love to see the best. It's the best. The best. I want to also say, if you are new, go ahead and head back to the first episode. If you want to get a little bit more perspective on Tommy and I and why we believe fasting is such a powerful tool, not just for weight loss, but for true health and longevity and transformation and just... Just so many different things. So if you want to go back and listen, give it a listen. We appreciate that. And we are so happy that you're here with us today. So Tommy, 
As we unpack today's conversation about does blood sugar matter if you don't have diabetes, I feel like this is a great conversation that should be had because what you're seeing, if you're on social media and if you are working on your health and if you are mm. dabbling in fasting or you've been fasting for a while or you want to be more consistent anywhere in the fasting, keto, weight loss world, yeah. You're going to see a fitness, lot of health, fitness. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of conversation, even sleep, hydration, exercise, all of these things. You're going to see a lot of conversation about blood sugar and blood sugar monitors and ketones. And we've done different episodes, but we've never really talked about, does it really matter for me to know what's going on at a physiological level with my blood sugar? And what does that translate or what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis in my life and in my fasting journey? Because blood sugar levels affect your energy, focus, weight, hormones. They can affect your mood, yeah, your fog. mental health, brain fog. And long-term, we know that elevated blood sugar and more importantly, elevated insulin will result in things like diabetes, but also metabolic syndromes and eight out of the top 10 reasons why people lose their life all cause mortality here in the state. So if this is a slow and go, process, which we know that you know blood sugar issues start long before they show up on your blood work, then we want to be addressing this at the root cause. So we want to simplify it for you today, but also talk through a couple of main overviews, main takeaways of like, why does this matter? Should it matter for me? And really the statistics don't lie. So 30 million Americans with diabetes, another 100 to 130 million Americans with prediabetes, majority of them undiagnosed, which I was, and I'm assuming which you were oh, yeah. as well early on and before we you know, were able to adapt fasting in a way that got us to get the weight off, get our labs back to normal and transform not just our lab numbers, but also our lives through the art of fasting. Yeah. We want to be looking at you know, kind of the basics of blood sugar. And then I want to talk through a couple of you know, points on how we can change it and what we can do and why it matters, but also a situation that we've come across of someone who's deliberately spiking their blood sugar, which I love the construct of the study, of the case study, right? Of being the guinea pig. Yeah. But I wanna, I wanna frame the potential outcomes in a different way and the potential intentions and things that can come from that as well. So starting with blood sugar and why it matters and what is it and what does it do? Well, we always say that more importantly, we should be looking at routine insulin levels rather than blood sugar mm -hmm. levels. Yeah. And just to go back a couple of steps, you know, for the blood sugar, I love that question. Like if I'm healthy or if I don't have weight to lose or much weight to lose, does blood sugar really matter? And I feel like that's a question that's starting to get asked more as we kind of make more and more inroads further into the insulin resistance understanding how insulin kind of starts the cascade of these things. Because, you know, insulin is our, our body's normal track for chasing after blood sugar. Like, we, you know, we have blood sugar sensors throughout the body. Essentially, every, every cell can sense blood sugar that's around. But, the, you know, the main sensors being in the pancreas, you know, understanding like what is actually happening, what's the trajectory of the blood sugar, how much insulin needs to come out and when. There's also glucagon that comes out to, to kind of, you know, counteract the insulin as well. So you have a hormonal cascade, but importantly, those things are happening and it's a normal part of the process. Okay, so that's fine. But if we don't have weight to lose, or we have relatively normal blood work, blood sugar is still, you know, it's, it's going up, it's coming down, it's changing throughout the day. And that's a normal thing to happen. We have the dawn phenomenon where we're waking up and we have a normal blood sugar rise that should be, you know, within certain limits at the beginning of the day. And like, there's a cyclical nature to these things as well. And that's great for understanding. But then after that, we also have a different 
you know, actual response, depending on, you know, if maybe there are a few pounds to lose, or if maybe you've been holding on to a few pounds for a long time, or if there are certain food choices that you're making over and over and over again, those can lead to certain responses within blood sugar that may or may not show up on a lab or might take a while to kind of build up or, you know, kind of, it can be like a little bit of an iceberg coming up. And so sometimes can be, you know, under the surface there or go undetected for a long time as well. Yeah. So a couple of basic points here and just understanding. So optimum fasting blood sugar is under 85 and you'll see the ranges, the normal ranges that are out there, you know, normal is 70 to hundred. Well, I was mm-hmm. in the nineties, high eighties to mid nineties for a while. And I was already at a point where I had some metabolic dysfunction, yeah. right? I was carrying the excess weight. I was doing the calorie counting macros, working out, et cetera. And I wasn't seeing the results. And then at one point, it ticked up into the 90s, into the 100s, which then by standard medical metrics, pre-diabetes is that 100 to 125. And then type 2 diabetes is 125 plus. This stuff's, those numbers have been around for a long time. And I feel they're doing a disservice in that optimal should be even lower. 85 and lower is what some of the most recent research is showing. And I know for me, when I really started to see some sustainable change in my fasting insulin, in my blood sugar, in my blood pressure, in my cholesterol, in my triglycerides, because blood sugar is just one metric in terms of looking at metabolic health, right? So we're just looking at one tiny little piece of it. And then the upstream is obviously the insulin, which either takes the blood sugar out of your bloodstream, either puts it into muscle, into liver in the form of glycogen, or storing it as fat, right? So when we're looking at those normal levels, a lot of even some of the, you know, we'll have people that have diabetes or prediabetes that are on that have monitors and they're checking their blood sugar and they'll say, "Well, oh, my machine yelled at me when I got, you know, too low." And I'm like, "What's too low?" Sure. And they're like, "70." And I'm like, yeah. "Okay, well, See, how'd you like feel?" Or sometimes, you know, cuz Yeah, like, and I'm it, like, it depending on the machine, depending on the med- yeah. yeah, so optimal, we want 85 and lower, just like insulin, right? So if you look at the insulin scale, it's from 5 or 6 depending on what lab you use, all the way up to 24 or 25, right? And we talked about this on a recent episode where there isn't a consensus on what a normal insulin level should be. But I'll tell you that there is indication that seven and above, you have a higher incidence of becoming insulin resistant and diabetic if that number stays elevated. Mm-hmm. So mine was in the 20s. Once I got that down under seven, I started to see some really long-term change. Yeah. And then now that I'm in the fives, my cravings, my day-to-day life has changed dramatically yeah. with my relationship with That's food, awesome. fasting, and when and how I eat, right? So you had mentioned something, and we'll, we'll go into this a little bit more in a minute, but the way this presents itself or way the way blood sugar might, you might feel on a day-to-day basis, right? Because not everybody has a blood sugar monitor. Not everybody has a CGM or continuous glucose monitor. And not everyone, to the point of today's conversation, thinks that we really should be periodically checking our blood sugar if you're not diagnosed with this metabolic syndrome, prediabetes or diabetes condition, right? So how this can present in a day-to-day basis, right? We go from blood sugar, then impacting insulin, elevated blood sugar or bigger spikes over time will cause elevated insulin over time, which will cause insulin resistance, which will then cause Mm -hmm. metabolic disorders, metabolic syndrome, which will then lead to diabetes and cardiometabolic issues, et cetera. So we get that cascade. But on a day-to-day basis, I mean, there's a few things that you're going to feel when blood sugar goes high and then when blood sugar comes crashing down, right? Yeah. And I think that as a general consensus, most people would agree that 
if I haven't heard the term like pre-diabetic or at risk, or I don't have other people maybe in my family who are kind of at risk for those things or have a history of those things, then I don't really need to be concerned with my blood sugar. And I feel like that's there's nothing wrong necessarily with why that's such a common belief. But at the same time, there are differences in like in what we're doing and then what our blood sugar is actually doing. And then those things lead to changes over time. So whenever we're actually going to ingest food, we're having things like I used to just crash. And the later it would get into the day, the more I would crash after a meal. And then but it, it was like, especially if I was eating relatively healthy foods or I was tracking my calories and tracking my macros, it was so beyond, like I didn't even understand that it was it was because of insulin resistance or because of blood sugar issues that happened on a smaller scale. Because I mean, that happened since my teenage years. It just got worse and worse and worse over the years, but it, it still wasn't really hitting my radar as like, hey, there could be a blood sugar issue here because my fasting blood sugar, like you had mentioned, was usually somewhere like in the mid 90s. Now, in my early 30s, it had ticked up to where sometimes it would be like 104, 109. I'm getting my my fasting blood sugar. But usually that was at like 110 or 120 that it didn't hit anybody's radar. So it wasn't like, hey, uh, you're you're pre-diabetic at this point. But essentially, I'd been living in that zone for a long time because of blood sugar issues. Yeah, this was the missing piece for me. I had spent being in the health space, running, putting, creating, you know, weight loss in a box type products and doing all this stuff in a clinical setting and, and having you know metabolic type pathway testing and doing before and afters and hormone balancing with women and all these different programs that we were doing and getting people results, none of that was fitting me. And I'm like, yeah. what the heck? Like, why isn't this working? So when we look at blood sugar, glucose is the fuel for your cells. Or, and, and then there's the ketone conversation too, but dysregulated glucose can impair how your cells work throughout your body, driving dysfunction in your veins, brain, organs, muscles, and more. So it's subtle in how we feel, but it's important long-term to our overall disease and mortality risk. So yeah. the daily blood sugar impacts are things that we can, and I'll describe a few here in just a second, but this was the missing piece for me as I was looking everywhere else. I had just done a bunch of functional medicine testing and I thought it might've been my adrenals. I thought it might've been my gut. Mm-hmm. I thought it might've been, and what it ended up coming back was my insulin resistance. But even though my blood sugar numbers were still falling in that normal range, but I had the elevated triglycerides. I had the elevated cholesterol. I had the blood pressure creeping up. I had the increased waist circumference, right? All of those types of things. Um, Despite tracking. Despite all of the, right, 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 right. So so we started today's conversation on does it matter if you don't have any of those things, right? And Mm -hmm. I still truly believe that, yes, it does. You don't need to be monitoring this you know, like a hawk, right? Like, sure, you know, yeah. you get a, a new child that just learned to walk, you're hawking them, right? You're like, right. ah, I don't fall. Ah, okay. You know what I mean? Like, especially yeah, as a first time parent with your first kid. About, yeah. Right? You're like, ah, right. So you don't need to be doing that. But if you do have weight loss resistance, 20, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds to lose or labs that are already off. Yeah. I think it is something that needs to become part of your routine for the next three to six to 12 months. And the blood sugar impacts that you'll feel without the tracking is you know, you can lead to fatigue, brain fog, cravings, skin changes. If you ever had a sugar high or sugar crash, a slump post meal, Tommy, like you mentioned, yep. or feel bad when you've gone a long time without eating, that can be a hypo, a reactionary sure. caloric blood sugar dip that's going to really increase that desire to eat. And then when blood sugar is more stable, so we're not saying blood sugar spikes are bad. But the consistent no, blood sugar spike normal. over time is bad or elevated level is bad. So when you stabilize too them, high, right. then, it has to, then it has to come back down. Insulin, more right. insulin gets released than necessary. And then it's going to come 
way down. And then all of a sudden I feel that. Right. So when it's more stable, your energy levels are higher, your skin's clearer, we have more mental clarity, better memory, we're less susceptible to cravings and crashes that throw off our eating habits, right? Yep. So we yep. joke in this family, my wife just completed her first 19 and a half hour fast. All right. So if you're like, wait a minute, Congrats. you're the fasting guys and like your wife doesn't fast. No, not typically. Pregnant in or breastfeeding. We've got three kids under six and a half for quite a bit of the last six or and a half, seven years. I've been fasting now for just over four years. Mm -hmm. So timelines don't match, right? right? And she's always been really good at tracking and macros and, and she's been able to get results with that type of approach. Mm -hmm. And she's one of the few people I know that's kept the results and gotten better as she's gone along and not fallen off and then gone back. And she's very passionate yeah. about it and it works for her. Well, it wasn't working nice. for me and so many other people, right? Especially some of y'all that might be listening who have come to fasting for that next, you know, maybe fasting is the next answer, right? But that throw off our eating habits and behaviors, right? Those cravings and those crashes is so incredibly important. So the reason I want to bring this up is because we know insulin, you know, blood sugar goes up and insulin goes up. If they're constantly high, your body's going to begin to convert the excess glucose into fat and we're going to get mm -hmm. fat storage, right? Which yep. can lead to weight gain. And then insulin prevents fat burning. So high insulin levels are going to make it harder to lose that weight. And then we might see other blood sugar related issues, not in the day-to-day -day symptomatology that I just described, but you might see some hormonal dysfunctions. That's why I thought it might've been my testosterone or my adrenals, right? So, yeah, but other yeah. things like PCOS, pre and perimenopause, menopause, infertility issues, depression, thyroid. anxiety, thyroid. Yeah. 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 So we know that now long-term blood sugar dysfunction can also lead to what now is being called type three diabetes or Alzheimer's and dementias, mm. right? So when we're looking at the long-term issue, we know it's there. So short-term, when we're talking about this, this daily experience and this habit or this desire to lose weight, and then you start doing something and you're not getting the result. We saw someone on social media that was deliberately spiking their blood sugar with the intention to still be in a calorie deficit and show that they're able to lose weight. Sure. Sounds good. Sounds good. Right. Great. You know, yeah. There's a couple of caveats to it, but. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's definitely not optimal. I'll start there. But I'm going to also say it's kind of, it can contradict your desire for a good compartmentalization of your fasting and of your eating as well. Because it's tough to deliberately induce more blood sugar spikes or have them be more dramatic than they need to be. And then quickly or easily or intuitively get back on to my next fast. Like it's a little tougher or a lot tougher to set your next timer when you just, you know, had major blood sugar swings. It's like motivation's down, energy is down, just mental clarity is down, but then cravings are up, hunger's yep. up, volatility's up. And in those, in those moments, like those moments of, of lethargy and just feeling that blood pressure or blood, blood sugar crash, it can feel like a little bit more food or the next meal or maybe a snack can be like a little bit of an answer in that moment. And that, that tips the scales away from my fasting lifestyle, long-term success. So my big question is like, why, like, why would I want to, you know, why would I want to do that? Even if, even if I could still lose weight like that. Hey, y'all wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. 
and we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times, rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air, air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors. And we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time, lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the fasting for life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. So I love being the guinea pig, right? So I'll share my carnivore experience. I've shared my keto experience, my tracking, my NutriSense experience, right? And it's been interesting because the intention was, and I follow this person, huge following, love the research, love his approach, love his no BS like tactics, like got a lot of good stuff. But day one of spiking my blood sugar while losing weight for 30 days, right? Okay, so... Can you spike your blood sugar and still lose weight? Yes, of course. He also says this is only for healthy individuals without pre-existing medical issues to help them understand, right? Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, you can lose weight. He doesn't have a lot of weight to lose, probably a handful of pounds, right? If that. Sure. The point, the, the thing you were trying to get across was you can lose weight without sacrificing your favorite foods. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. And blood sugar spikes are normal and healthy responses from your body. It's not weird yes. or bad. Completely agree. Right. But interestingly enough, by day eight, he mentioned, yeah, I'm having, you know, one day he had four pieces of white bread for breakfast. He had a donut, you know, after dinner one night. And he's, he said, yeah, I'm still, I'm down a few pounds. I'm eight days in. I'm going to do this for 30 mm -hmm. days. Great. He's probably going to lose the weight he wanted to lose. He's, he's tracking and weighing and doing all that stuff as a healthy individual, right? No visceral fat, no insulin resistance, no weight loss resistance, no significant amount of weight to lose. And by day eight, he's like, I have noticed, to your point, Tommy, what you were just talking about, that my cravings for sugary foods have gone up, uh, right? And what was the other thing you mentioned? I can't remember off the top of my head. I just forgot. It was just hunger. It was just oh, yeah, hunger. Cravings yeah. for sugary, more indulgent stuff, and mm -hmm. overall hunger has gone up. Yes, thank you. That's not a good combination. 
whether you have four pounds to lose or 40 pounds to lose, it's not helping. That's for sure. And even if you can lose the weight as your blood sugar, you know, changes, like everyone's blood sugar is going to have some level of volatility in there. But right. I don't want to pour gasoline on that fire. I'm trying to put the fire out here. I don't need more. But it's also like I can do things to, to stack. Like we have, we have so many levers that we can pull. It's food choices. It's the order, you know, that we're eating. It's, you know, timing of exercise and what type of exercise am I doing? It's how am I fasting and how consistently am I doing it? All of these kind of things. And it's also protecting my inputs and insulating my mindset, you know, while right. I'm, while I'm doing this too. And each one of those blood sugar spikes might not be your, your Achilles heel, you know, right. in, in any given moment. But I love the idea of just stacking as many of those things in my favor as possible. So I've lost, you know, nearly 80 pounds. I'll give much of the credit to fasting in general, but there was a lot of steps, you know, within that. And every time, like as I leveled up and figured out how to, you know, like decrease the volatility in my blood sugar, that made the next step that much easier. Easier. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So I don't want to push a boulder. This dude's highly there. successful. He's lost weight a bunch of times. He's done cuts and bulks and super successful. Yeah. And, and I totally appreciate him dispelling this myth about blood sugar spikes. But because you don't if have we can, to be obsessed with it, especially, especially if exactly. You know, it's yeah. not yeah. Blood not sugar, you can spiking your blood sugar every now and then with a food you love is fine. Eating the dessert, having the indulgent food, eating the thing you love. You don't, and I love his perspective because he also says, you know, I don't, I don't like labeling things cheat meals, right? Or good or bad. And we completely agree with that, right? Amen. Yes. Right. 100% agree. But mm -hmm. if we're looking at, you know, normal ranges, right? So standard ranges are less than 100. Fasting for us would be 72 to 85 mm -hmm. as normal. Pre-meal, 72 to 90. And then post-meal, we want to see less than a 30 milligram per DL deciliter spike. So increase from pre-meals to post-meals. And we want to see that number come down under 140, you know, within the next two to three hours, right? Yeah. So the standard is much higher than what the optimal is. Yes. Right? Yes. So the standard approach to weight loss versus the optimal approach with fasting. Let's blunt your blood sugar spikes to decrease those cravings and more desire for those insatiable foods that maybe you have a unhealthy relationship with, the binge-worthy stuff. Sure. Right? Yeah. That's where I would want to come my, from. It makes my fasting harder too. Right. Because yeah, if you have a really highly calorically dense processed carbohydrate sugar-laden evening and you start set your timer for a 72-hour fast, <laughs> the next day is going to be really difficult. Ooh. So I'm I'm on day three of a 72 hour fast now, and I'm, I'm hitting that 68, 66 to 68 hour mark, which I dislike. Yeah. It's not my favorite. I don't like this time between 60 and 72. Once I get past 72, it's fine. I'm doing this with a group of guys. So if I would have broken, so my, we started this group, a couple of people are working on some health related issues and we're, and we're really leveling up, you know, decreasing our visceral fat and optimizing our, our health as all dads in our right. early to mid forties. Right. And I said the night before we had a new person enter the group and he was like, any recommendations? I don't remember how it came up. I was like, yeah, just make sure when you, the night before you eat like high quality protein, high, fat, higher fat, less refined processed carbohydrates. Don't go and eat the all you can eat buffet of all the indulgent stuff before you're about to go set your time for a fast, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the same thing with blood sugar spikes on a day-to-day -day basis. We want to limit those rate limiting steps or those hurdles that we need to get mm -hmm. through, right? So a couple of things, and how do you check your blood sugar levels? And then I want to go over, Tommy, as we wrap up today's conversation, I want to go over the four or five things that you can do to help maintain healthy blood sugar, if that's you, or things you can do to help regain healthy blood sugar levels, right? And yeah. so the ways you can check it is you can get a, a finger prick, right? 
So you can do the blood sugar monitors. And so Tommy, the last thing I want to talk about today is the things that we can do to help optimize our blood sugar and remove those barriers and those stumbling blocks in making lifestyle and habit change, right? Because we want to break those habits. We don't want to, you know, spike our blood sugar deliberately to then have to have more willpower to fight those cravings (laughs) and those hunger cues, right? So what can I do to maintain healthy blood sugar? Eat foods that help blood stabilize, change how you eat, exercise regularly. And then the two for me is prioritize a healthy sleep and stress. Yeah. You know what? I mean, if you're prioritizing healthy sleep and you are looking for ways to minimize your stress, I mean, you're able to kind of, both of those things lead to better mornings and better evenings. And when we're talking about like bookending the day, which, which sometimes it's easy to gloss those over. I mean, we, mm-hmm. you know, we, we live in a very busy time. Everyone's got a lot going on more than they probably should. Right. And there's usually no like, you know, just adjusting that day to day. And that's fine. I, I totally get that. And it, the same thing is true for me. But at the same time, if we can, if we can protect those even just a little bit, it makes it that much easier to kind of get through that tougher time. You know, if you're, if you're used to OMAD dinner, let's say, or, you know, you typically do dinner with the family or like a, like a later evening meal, it can be tough. It can be a slippery slope to kind of close your window right then and set your timer for a good solid fast going into the next day. Or, Hey, maybe this is, you're going to do a burn day tomorrow. That can be really tough. And if you aren't setting that timer with really good intention, with a, a strong deliberation and you get to the next day and you go back on your own word, that's tough. That's a little chink in the armor. I got to get past that. I just lost a little bit of trust in myself that makes the next fast that much harder. So instead of those, which can be momentum going the opposite way, if we can, you know, make small little things, you know, if it's, if it's a CGM, if it's making one better food choice tomorrow, so I can make a little bit stronger decision on my next fast, that's really going to add up. It's going to add up to decrease the volatility in my blood sugar, which is going to then lead to a little bit more consistency on the scale if I'm trying to lose there. And I'm going to see better outcomes over time. Like that consistency builds excitement and motivation that then leads to discipline. And then, you know, like it's a good positive feedback loop right there. Yep. Yep. So I want you to pick one of these if you're listening. So there are four key levers, right? There are the foods you eat, right? Mm -hmm. So try to eat foods that don't cause those sharp rises. So nutrient dense whole foods, Mm -hmm. right? Avoid the foods that spike your blood sugar, such as the processed refined stuff. Okay. Now, I'm not saying don't ever eat that. That is not what I said. Sure. What I'm saying is know what it's doing to be able to prepare for the after effect, which is the increased reliance on willpower and increased yeah. cravings, right? So a little um, no or not yet goes a long way. Yes, right, right. A little delayed gratification goes a long way, right? right? So it's essential to consider the choice of carbs, veggies with lots of fiber. And then the second thing is change how you eat your food, which is then you would want to eat your proteins and fats first, veggies and fiber first, proteins and fats. And then after your proteins and fats, you would eat your carbohydrates directly after you have that. So you're not just eating what's called a naked carbohydrate, right? That can increase, that can decrease your blood sugar response by up to 30%. Also the time of day you eat, eating later in the day has a higher insulin response. Start moving your meals earlier in the day. Remember I said, there's a laundry list of stuff here. I want you to pick one or two if you're listening. Yeah. Exercise has a huge impact on blood sugar. Walking after a meal, we we say this often in these conversations and in our challenges, which we've got one coming up in a couple of weeks here where we walk through all of these different points in detail and it's called master your fasting. And so we do these challenges every six to eight weeks. We've got another one coming up in a couple of weeks. You can head to the show notes, click the link for FAQs, dates, times, and to get registered. But we definitely talk about all of this stuff, not just, hey, what's your blood sugar number? Hey, what's your fasting time? 
right? Yeah. That stuff's important, but this is the stuff that makes it habitual, makes it a habit or a lifestyle adaptation. So change yeah. the order that you eat or the time of day you eat, exercise, walking, or specifically zone two cardio, right? And then you really want to focus on that sleep and stress. And we also have a sleep guide you can grab that's in the show notes as well. So lots of moving parts here, but big picture, we started today's conversation, Tommy, with does knowing or does looking at blood sugar matter if you don't have diabetes? And my answer is yes, it matters because so does fasting insulin. So does, mm -hmm. you know, this is one data point in the picture of metabolic health and life yeah. and, and weight loss, right? But you don't have to obsess over it, but it needs to be a piece of the puzzle, whether or not you're a healthy individual or you've got some substantial weight to lose, disease to reverse or medications you'd like to come off of. So I'm excited yeah. for the upcoming challenge too, but give the people one final thought from you, Tommy, as we wrap up today's episode. Yeah, just out of all those things, I would say the number one step would be choose one of the things that we just talked about as like, you know that if you made a little bit of improvement there, it would go a long way because it's either been the big one to derail you in the past or it's the one that comes up the most often. So whenever I'm thinking about, you know, this, this guy doing the guinea pig stuff, and I'm thinking about emotional relationship with food a little bit because if I'm chasing those sugar rushes and getting those big blood sugar swings, I'm also getting some big dopamine swings as well. So I'm kind of wiring some of the wrong habits. So that would be like my number one was just to cut down on some of those right. things just a little bit. And that started to move me in the right direction. So pick one that really resonates with you and make one or two better choices today and tomorrow for the next couple of days see how you feel. You probably get a little less blood sugar volatility and that's probably going to make your next fast that much easier too. Yep. Yep. Head to the show notes for all the links that we mentioned, the challenge registration, the sleep guide, the CGM as well. Tommy, another great conversation, sir. Shedding Love some light on the blood sugar and the insulin epidemic that we see, that we've experienced. And I just hope that you guys are able to take one or two things from today's episode, put it into your fasting lifestyle and continue to walk us, walk this out with us. As always, sir, thank you for the conversation and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day -day life. While you're there, download your free fast start guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.